Saturday in silence Surely it was through Since when has impossible Ever stopped you Friday's disappointment Sunday's empty tomb Since when has impossible Ever stopped you This is is the praise make a dead man walk again open the grave i'm coming out i'm gonna live gonna live again this is the sound of dry bones rattling
Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you for your resurrection power, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your love, Lord. Separate. 
runs out on me. Your love never fails, it never gives up, it never runs out on me. Your love never fails, it never gives up, it never runs out on me. It never runs out on me. Your love never fails. It never gives up. It never runs out on me. Your love never fails. It never gives up. It never runs out on me. Your love. Death and life. In death and life, I'm confident and covered by. Your love never 
fails, it never gives up, it never runs out on me. Your love, your love. Thank you for your love. a melody you surround me with a song of deliverance from my enemies till all my fears are gone I'm no longer a slave to fear child of God, yes, I'm no longer a slave to fear, I am a child of God. mother's womb you have chosen me love has called my name I've been born again to your family your blood flows through my veins I'm no longer fear I am a child of God I'm no longer a slave to fear I am a child of God I'm no longer a slave to fear
for our love for the Lord. The world wants to compete for our heart's priority, our heart's priority. As I was praying before service, the Lord kept bringing me back to his grace, his beautiful grace. And Pastor David wrote something in his devotional. And he said this, if you do not receive his grace, you can't have his righteousness. A lot of times people want to walk in righteousness without recognizing their need for grace. Now, we all know, those of us have been in the faith, that we have received salvation through his grace. And we know that, but sometimes it stops there. And we forget that God, we are vessels of his grace, not just for ourselves, but that grace pours from us. We have been entered into a relationship with the Lord through grace, His grace and our faith. See, when we receive His grace, it's a recognition that we have sinned. This is the problem that the world has because if we start calling everything not sin, then there's no need for grace. And so there's a reinterpretation of things so that it's not called sin and it's not called wrong. And the fact is this, as scripture says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, which is grace, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness so that we now have his righteousness. Now, what's the point, Pastor Lynn? That as we recognize our need for his grace, even as a child of God, the more we recognize his need, our need for his grace, the more grace we can pour out to others. But if we don't recognize our need for grace, then the grace flow stops because we start walking in our own righteousness. This is a big problem. This is a big problem even for Christians in the world is that they start walking in their own righteousness, which leads to judgment, which leads to uh, hatred or rejection of other people or rather than saying, you know what? I see that I needed lots of grace and therefore the world around me, the people around me need grace to flow from my life. Now, it's interesting because we have to recognize our need for grace. Paul the Apostle, in his last letters, his last letters that he wrote before he died was First and Second Timothy. And it's interesting to find the progression of Paul's revelation of grace for his own life because in First Timothy, he writes... That he, 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 15, that he is the chief of sinners. 
Now, remember, he's been in the faith, and he's written a lot of letters by then. He's planted a lot of churches. He is the apostle to the Gentiles. He has brought the message of the gospel to the Gentile world, the whole big Gentile world. And now his recognition is, listen, I see that I am the chief of sinners. Because the closer you get to the light, the more you have revelation about yourself. Mm -hmm. And he says, I recognize I need his grace more. I need more grace. More grace. See, when we're truly maturing in Christ, we don't see we need less grace. We see that we need more grace. If you're truly maturing in Christ, remember, we're making muscle Christians around here. I don't see that I can judge and be super superior to others. Rather, I say, wow, I give them grace because I know how much grace I need. I see myself in the light of Jesus Christ. And therefore, the flow of grace goes to the people around me. See, this is a challenge for us as the body of Christ. Our recognition and our need for him. And so let us beware of what the enemy sows. See, he likes to sow the spirit of blaming, the spirit of excuse, the spirit of heart and heart, the spirit of self-righteousness, religious spirit, offense, so that we don't see our need for grace from the Lord. We start pointing our fingers Rather than saying, Lord, I need your grace. Rather than using the excuses. Listen, I hear about all these excuses and people tumble into a, a, a place, a pit. Even, even people who've been in the faith a long time tumble into a pit because they fall into the trap of the enemy. And they stop the grace flow coming to them. And therefore, they start to have... The way they look at other people, offended, blaming. Do you understand what I'm saying? The Lord wants the grace flow to say, you know what? I need his grace. Therefore, as I recognize my need for his grace, I can have grace towards other people. The Lord wants that grace. What the world needs the church to be is an example of grace. Where is that scripturally? Oh, well, you know, I always have that. Ephesians 2. We're going to read it. For it is by Ephesians 2, 8. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this salvation is not of yourselves, not through your own effort, but it is the gracious gift of God. Not as a result of your works so that no one will be able to boast or take credit for it in any way. Then he says... For we are his workmanship. So he says, you are a vessel of grace. Now you are my workmanship. You are my work of art. You are my work of grace. You are a beautiful example of what I just said. Grace. Grace. And now what are you to do it? Do with it. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared for us beforehand so that we would walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us. Now listen, when he says you're my work of art, that means that he doesn't have you in a closet 
that means he has placed you in front of other people to see. I have placed you in this world, church, to know about and do good things for my glory, not in your own righteousness, but through my grace. See, we don't stand before the world, people who yet do not have, not yet received his grace, not yet received salvation. We don't stand before the world and say, oh, look at us, how great we are. We stand before the world and say, we are vessels of his grace. We are here because of his grace. I am saved because of his grace. My righteousness is filthy rags. I am only his righteousness. It's only him. And therefore, the love, the grace flows from our lives to the world. Come on. This is something in many places the church is not doing. We are people. The reason why we exist as the body of Christ is because of his grace. You were never good enough. Your righteousness was never good enough. Never, never, never. And guess what? It's still not. Your righteousness is still not good enough. It's his righteousness, but we received his grace. Now we have become the righteousness of God in Christ. That's what scripture says. We are not of our own righteousness, but how we go out into the world is we go out with grace, not with judgment. Jesus will take care of that. This is the season of grace, of us walking in grace, of us walking in the love of God. More grace in, the revelation of more grace in, there will be a pouring forth of more grace out. For it has been by grace you were saved through faith. Now, let me say this, we've been, we've been talking to this house about being called oaks of righteousness. And just like I said, Pastor David wrote, if you do not receive his grace, you cannot have his righteousness. So in other words, if we're oaks of righteousness, then we actually are oaks of his grace, right? We are a gracious house. You know what? People will never get it unless we're gracious. They'll never understand the message of the gospel unless his believers, his church, his body is gracious. Grace, grace. You know, it's interesting. One of my favorite scriptures in, is in Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6. It says, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. We use this when it comes. Now say to your mountain, right? We all have those mounts. We all have those challenges. We have those impossibilities. But what does it say? What are you, O great mountain of obstacles? Before Zerubbabel, you put your name in. Before Lynn Willis, you will become a plane, and he will bring out the capstone with loud shouts of grace grace when we go to our mountains we don't say self-righteousness my ability you owe it to me no we say grace grace because we're vessels of grace and the power of God that flows through us is through his grace you know I say over and again 
Ephesians chapter 2 that we are seated with Christ in heavenly places and all things are under Christ's feet which means that he has authority over all things that's where we're seated that has to do with our ability through the Holy Spirit to face battles and have victory but we're seated there by grace we're seated there by his grace do you have battles grace to it do you have things in your home in your family in your situation in your life in your work and you're wondering what lord how do i battle this the lord says grace to it bring grace to it sometimes that means zip your lips come on <laughs> zip your lips do what Ephesians 4.23 says. Get a new attitude of the mind. Come on. Let's just get real. Listen, I know. I know. But as we grow in grace, you actually grow in power. You actually grow in authority because you can speak to those mountains. And they will come down. Because the revelation of grace in your life. There's nothing more precious than the grace of God that's been poured out to us grace this house is called to be a house of his grace you know that's why diversity is important because if everybody's the same I don't have to be gracious if everybody thinks the same I don't have to be gracious if everybody's like me I don't have to be gracious but see that's why Jesus and Paul writes his body is diverse why is there diversity because see we are vessels of grace so in the diversity, I have to be gracious. I have to pour out my grace. They're different than me. They're different than me. That's why people, God, Jesus said, you know what? I came for the sick, not for the healthy. He said that. Why? Because you know what? Unhealthy people have issues. Broken people have issues. And he says, I have my church in this world for the people with issues, which we really all have. Just some people it shows up a little bit more pronounced than others. Some better are hiding it. He says, I came for the sick. Why? Because grace. And the body of Christ is in the world so that we can give grace. Believing for people around us and ourselves that, that mountains come down. The mountains and lives of other people come down not because of self-righteousness, but because of grace. Come on, you getting it? The, the, the empowerment of his grace. And you know what? Some people, I've heard leaders even say that, as if grace is some sort of weak thing. Oh, you're just being a doormat to the world when you're a people of grace. Not true. Not true. The most powerful thing we've ever experienced is the grace of God. The mystery, the mystery was the grace. The enemy does not understand grace. He doesn't get it. That's why he crucified Jesus. He didn't know that there was something called grace. He didn't get it. He didn't understand it. The grace of God. You know what? We want an increase of his grace in our lives. That, you know, as we walk out our life, you know, as you go into the holidays as you go into encountering people, countering even the things that the world is shouting at you, that the Lord 
gives you an increase of grace. How many of you think you might need that a little bit? Come on. <laughs> More grace. Let's stand. Let's get refocused on what we're about. We're about his grace. You know what? The, the mountains come down because of his grace. We don't say our ability. We say grace. Grace comes down. Grace will flow to that mountain. Grace will bring that mountain down. Lord, help us to be people of your grace. We can't do it in ourselves. We can't do it in our own righteousness. Lord, may we have the self-revelation of our need for grace, the self-revelation that we need your grace in our lives. Lord, and as we encounter people, as we encounter people who may not be doing right things, they may not have in the right mindset they, because they don't know you. Lord, may we be people filled with your grace. May we have words of grace. May there be your presence of grace. May people be, in a sense, captivated and assaulted by your grace. By your grace. May they be overcome by your grace. Because the enemy doesn't want the body of Christ to be filled with your grace. Because it's your grace that brings salvation. Lord, may we not worry about whether people out in the world have revelation of the sin in their lives. May we not worry about that. May we not be concerned with that. May we just do our part of saying, Lord, I'm a vessel of your grace. Like Paul the Apostle said in 1 Timothy, how he said, I know of his grace because I was the chief of sinners. I know how great his grace is. I know how transforming his grace is. I know how merciful he is. I know how good he is. I know how much he loves me. And because I know all of those things, I know how gracious he is towards you. I know how much he loves you. I know how he has forgiven you. I know how he wants to make you his work of art through grace. See, we can believe for others when we have the revelation of your grace in our lives. And that increase, that increase of grace. Lord, increase that grace flow through us to this world. Peter, let's sing that song one more time. Come on. I just want Come on, let's sing it together. Nothing else. Nothing else, nothing else will do. I just want you. Nothing else, nothing else, nothing else will do. I just want you. Nothing else. Nothing else, nothing else will do. I just want you. Nothing else, oh, nothing else, nothing else will do. I just want you. Nothing else. 
Nothing else, nothing else will do. I just want you. Nothing else, nothing else, nothing else will do. I just want you. Nothing else, nothing else. Jesus, nothing else will do. I just want you. Nothing else, nothing else. Jesus, nothing else will do. I just want you. Nothing else, nothing else, nothing else will do. I just want you. Nothing else, nothing else, nothing else will do. I just want you. know, if you felt a little weary lately, a little exhausted lately, feel, just raise your hand if that's you. Say, I'm feeling, I felt just exhausted. Sometimes it's not even physical. It could be emotional. It could be spiritual exhaustion. The Lord just right now wants to give you a flow to you of grace, of his shalom. But, but he wants you to know that just sit at his feet. Just sit at his feet. Right now, just want you, those of you that say, man, I'm just so tired. And listen, I get it. This has been a season of, it feels like you're taking hits on every side. Feels like there's more battles just getting through the day with all of the things that's swirling around us. And the Lord is saying, I want you to receive my breath. The Holy Spirit is breath. Did you know that the same word, Holy Spirit, ruach, breath, let him breathe upon you right now. Let him breathe upon you. Holy Spirit wants to breathe upon you, resuscitate you, give you strength, give you strength. Some of you, you will be encountering people that exhaust you, exhaust you because they're needy and they may be doing wrong things or having a, maybe their life is kind of a mess. Maybe it's tore up and, and they look to you for strength without even knowing it. They look to you for strength and it can feel so exhausting. I'm describing somebody around here. I know that because the Holy Spirit is just describing the situation. And the Lord's saying, I know, I know, I know. And the Lord is saying, I'm going to give you the extra, the extra amount, the extra measure of grace for those people so that you're not exhausted. The Lord says, I'm going to breathe into you my life and there's going to be a grace that flows from you. The enemy wants to exhaust you. The Lord says, I want to empower you. Grace, grace to the mountain, Lord. 
Lord, right now, for those of us feeling wiped out, for us feeling tired, for us looking into our week and just saying, I want to enjoy it, but I don't know if I can. The Lord is saying, you know what? I want you to receive my breath today. Receive my breath. Lord, we receive your breath. Energize us. Energize us, Lord, not in our own ability, not in our own works, not in our own strength, but Lord, in you, in you. Lord, we thank you, Lord, because you care about us. You're relevant for 2021. You're here. Lord, we receive what you have right now. You're looking into our face. You're looking into our face, each one of us. You're staring right into our face, saying, I'm breathing on you. Just like you breathed on your disciples, you're breathing on us. And Lord, we receive what you have given to us by faith in your name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Matthew, come on up. Pronouncements. Hello. Good morning, Crossroads. Um, we just want to welcome any visitors, uh, any first-time guests. If this is your first time, uh, we have visitor cards on the back of the pews. Um, if you could fill those out, it's just to get any kind of information that's going on with the uh, Crossroads, basically ministries that are starting, ministries that are going. Uh, so first-time visitors. Uh, Sign up for the weekly email, Pastor Lynn's Fill to the Brim and Pastor David's Daily Devotional on Romans. Um, if you would like to subscribe to that, you could uh, email Teresa Lopez um, at tlopez at ccsmh.org, and uh, she'll send you the links to those uh, Pastor Lynn's Fill to the Brim and Pastor David's Daily Devotional. They're really good. It's a way just to keep uh, keeping his word to keep in his presence, to get filled throughout the week. So I really encourage you, you know, if you, if you feel a little dry, a little empty during the week, subscribe to these. They'll help out with that. Crossroads Connect. So we have all kinds of uh, different uh, ministries going right now, all sorts of opportunities to gather with the men, women, youth, children. Uh, Wednesday nights are on break until February, but they will be starting back up. Um, for the men's and women's here, and also for the kids and the youth. Um, there's hiking, there's sports, we have all sorts of ways to get connected. So if you would like information on that, again, you could email Teresa Lopez and she'll get you that information. Uh, Christmas program, Sunday, December 12th at 10.30 uh, a.m. Uh, the kids will be having a little Christmas program for us. Um, it's always it's always encouraging to see the, the little ones up there singing for, for God. You know, it's always, it does something in your hearts. It does something. You know, even for a grown man, it'll do something for you. <laughs> so I encourage you, come out and see the little ones praising God. You know, and my, my wife, Pastor Sandy, she always does a great job. 
always does. So come out. Uh, Christmas Eve service, uh, December 24th, uh, 5 to 6 p.m. They usually stick to that one hour and they get us out of there. But it's a good intimate service. It, it's a good uh, service to just come and honor God. Come and remember what the season's about. It's about our Savior being born. So come, come and enjoy that. Holy Spirit Baptism Retreat, January 20th through the 21st. Uh, next year, um, if you haven't gone to one of these, I encourage you to go. It's an outpouring. It's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Um, so come, you know, once again, if you're feeling dry, if this year was hard for you, it's a good way to just get back into it and let the Holy Spirit guide you through the year, give you that, that little extra push to get you through the year. So I encourage you, come. Uh, Thirst Conference, Holy Spirit Conference, January 28th through the 29th. Uh, 2022. Holy, uh, these thirst conferences have been getting better and better. They've been growing more and more. You know, uh, I encourage you to come out to these because there's always a good word. There's always a good word for the congregation, and there's always a good word specifically for you when you go to your prayer meetings. You know, and I can attest to that because I'm one of the, the prayer partners that usually does it. And the people just always, always have something, not just, not just something that they're going through, but they have something for you too. It encourages us too. Trust me, it encourages us, the pastors, the leaders, everybody that's a part, it encourages us because we see the breakthroughs. We see the change in those people's lives, you know? So come out, come out and get filled. Israel 2022. 11-day Holy Land Tour, June 6th through the 16th. Um, more information, Pastor David. <laughs> Listen to sermons online. Uh, we have Apple Podcasts, uh, iTunes. We have uh, Spotify. We have even our own website. You know, if, if you're looking for ways to listen to the sermon again, go on the website. We have different links that you can go to to hear the same sermon again from today, um, from last week, from months past. You know, if there's something that, that really hits you hard and you want to just continue on it, I encourage you, go on there. Ministry Partner of the Week, Cairo Center of Theology and Leadership. Let's just uh, continue to pray for these ministries. Pray that they grow. Pray that they, they, they flourish in the areas that they're at. Pray that these, these men and women are being raised up to be leaders wherever they go. You know, they could stay in that, that same area or they could go and travel to another nation. But let's pray that God is using them, using the tools that he's, he's given to them right now at these schools and these, these leadership schools that they would use the tools when they go out into their communities. Year-end giving. So, so year-end giving, so it, we have to have a, whatever tithe you're trying to give by the 31st, and uh, that'll be, basically, we'll, we'll have it, uh, a report for you, basically, next year. But in order for it to be included, it has to be to us by December 31st. Tithes and offerings. 
Let's pray for our tithes and offerings. Father God, I thank you for today. I thank you for the blessings that you have poured over this church. I thank you for the blessings that you will continue to pour over this church. I pray for this tithe and offering, my God, that it would multiply, that it would uh, be a hundred times multiplied, my God, that it would go to the ministries that it needs to go to, my God, that it would go to our partners, that it would go to this, this church, the, the things that, my God, are, are in need, Father. Lord, I just pray that you bless the people that give, Father. Bless their homes, my God. Bless their marriages. Bless their families, my God. Continue, my God, to strengthen them spiritually, Father. Lord, I pray right now, Father, in Jesus' name, bless this offering, bless this tithe. In Jesus' name, amen. I just want you, nothing else, oh nothing else, nothing else will do, I just want you, nothing else, nothing else, nothing else will do. I just want you. Is that your cry this morning? Nothing else but the Lord. You know, there's, there's something powerful when you have a, uh, an intimate relationship with Christ. It just it transforms everything, you know. And I'm excited about what God has to share with us this morning. Um, you know, I want to talk to you this morning. We're, you know, in the whole series now of what it means to be people of the Spirit. And, uh, you know, it was interesting because I, I was kind of deciding, I had a couple different messages I was going to speak on, but I, I really felt God wanted us to speak, to hear you hear uh, the whole concept of what it means to be people of the Spirit being real. How many of you remember before you came to faith? Do you remember the, what it was like before you came to faith? You know, I was, I was uh, raised in Northeast Pennsylvania, and there was a, a, I used to peddle newspapers. I was a newspaper delivery person. I had a morning route and an evening route. And, and uh, there was a, a gentleman in my town that uh, actually I was a, a runner, and I would always see him running. And he, he was really old. He was like 40. Can you believe that? He was that old. And, uh, and I remember I was uh, in, in college at the time, and I remember running up with him one day, and I came running up. and. And I ran a little faster than him because I was younger. And uh, um, I remember he just befriended me as, as a person, as a, as a runner, and he started talking. And uh, you see, I, I had some friends that uh, their, their dads were uh, pastors, but they were like the, the worst examples of, they were like into everything, you know. Um, one of the guys, his older brother was a drug dealer. He actually ended up uh, dying in prison. And it was just a mess, and it was just that was the kind of life they lived. And I remember before I came to, to faith, I always thought how so many Christians were hypocrites. You know, they say one thing but do something else. And as I came to faith, I realized it wasn't that Christians were hypocrites, it was that individuals were hypocrites. And there's a big difference. You know, you could look at this tree and say, wow, isn't that just a beautiful Christmas tree? But it's a fake tree, it's not real. It's, it, it's a pretend tree. You know, I remember one year we, uh, we, we, we were 
during a tough time as, as pastors, and we, uh, we had a, uh, what was it, that, that it was a rosemary bush tree? We got a rosemary tree and just cut it into the shape of a Christmas tree, and that was, it was a real Christmas tree. It just happened to be rosemary. But you know, the Lord's calling us not to be fake. The Lord's calling us to be real. And I remember it was probably about eight and a half years ago when we came here, the Lord gave us the, the, the slogan for Crossroads, to keep it real. It means genuine, authentic, that we are who we say we are. Uh, keep it simple, not confuse it with a lot of other things, and always keep it about Jesus. And so I want to talk to you this morning about what it means to be real. You know, I remember, uh, you know, when, when you're, you're in a relationship with Christ, when you're in a relationship with the Lord, it should affect every area of your life. It just doesn't affect you on a Sunday morning when you're here, but it affects you on, on, on your, your decision-making process. It affects you on your relationships. Uh, it affects you on your work ethic as a person. Uh, it affects you on how you deal with your finances, how you deal with your thought life. All of these things is how Christ comes in, and that's where we have to stand back and say, Lord, I need your grace because I don't know how to do this. I need the grace of God to cover me in all these areas and protect me. And I, I believe that the, the world right now and justifiably has criticized the church because we have not been who Jesus said we should be. Do you hear me? The Lord is calling us as a church, not just here as this church, but a church globally to be people that genuinely represent the master. And so when I was thinking about this, I thought, how does, how does your faith affect you? Well, your faith should affect your character. Because we are representatives of Jesus Christ to the world. Some of your friends, some of your family, some of your coworkers, the people you mingle with on a, on a regular basis, they may not have a personal faith in Christ. So what they're doing is they're reading you as the gospel. And I always ask myself, am I a good translation of the gospel to the people that I am around? Am I a good example of the gospel to the people when I'm in a store shopping? Am I that customer, you know, that everyone, when you leave, they all roll their eyes and thank the Lord, even though they don't know him, that you're not coming back into the store the rest of the day. You know, God wants us to be genuine. And I believe one of the things that he's, he's stirring in us is a cultivation of the fruit of the Spirit, that we could actually demonstrate to the world around us what it really means to be a godly, righteous person. So I want to talk to you about just some Christian character and how Christian character involves a choice. You know, every single thing that we do is a choice that we make. And the choices we make affect the destiny of where we're going to be. So if I make a choice to do something, it can either put me into a, a positive situation or a negative situation. And one of the things that Scripture talks to us about, if you look at, at the book of Colossians, Paul's writing to the church in Colossae. He says this, He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with wisdom so that we may present, what? Everyone fully mature in Christ. You know, that's my desire as your pastor. That is my desire, that, that I, when I no longer pastor this church, I could look back and say, you know what? We raised up strong men and women of faith. They didn't have to stand on someone else's faith. They stand on their own faith. And I don't care how young or how old you are in the experience of walking with Christ. My desire is to really build you up and strengthen you and put reinf spiritual reinforcements around you so you can be the man or woman that God's called you to do. And as Christians, our ultimate goal, the journey of our life, is to demonstrate Christ 
to those around us and have him live in us with power and authority. So how do we do that? How do we cultivate that? Well, you know, one of the things that is interesting, if you read through Paul's writings, Paul tells us that the, uh, the gifts that were given to the church, the fivefold, the, the fivefold ministry found in the book of Ephesians chapter 4 is really for the purpose of maturing and developing the church. Look what it says in Ephesians 4. It says, so Christ himself gave what? Christ gave us these things. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers to equip who? His people for what? Works of grace. So we are being equipped not to be fake, not to be self-righteous, but we're equipped to be people who demonstrate grace. And, and this is what it says, so that the body of Christ can be built up. You know, we, we our job as pastors, uh, the job of any pastor, the job of any prophet, the, the job of any apostle is to build you up in your faith so that you know Christ. And then he says, until what? We all reach the unity in the faith. You know, the beautiful thing about the Christian faith is we can have a lot of diversity in us. Just look around this room. Man, there's some really beautiful heads of hair, and then there's the rest of us, you know? There's some people that are light-skinned and people that are dark-skinned. There's people with blonde, blonde hair and, and brown hair. There's people with blue eyes and brown eyes and green eyes. You know, there's a diversity. God, God is demonstrated to us in diversity. And, but there is a unity that binds us together, and it's the grace of God that builds us up to be the men and women that he's called us to be. And then he says this, and when we reach the unity of faith, we will have what? Knowledge of the Son of God, and then we're mature. So when you know Christ, you become mature. How do you know Christ? You get in his word. You get in community. You get in a, 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 a body of believers that is going to help you to grow and mature and, 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 and to develop your faith and your understanding of who Christ is. And then it says, you will attain the measure, the whole measure of the fullness of God. So what we want to do is we want to develop your Christian character. We want to develop you that you are the same person sitting in your office or sitting in a meeting or sitting in, across the coffee table with someone or sitting in a restaurant with someone that you are Sunday morning in church. Right. That there's not duplicity. There's not living one way one day and living another way another day. You are the same person no matter how we slice you. You know, my wife and I, we love food shows. We were watching a show about southern Spain and how this guy trained his dog to find truffles. How many of you like truffles? Oh, they're so good. And you slice a truffle, a truffle is the same thing every slice, right? And that's what God wants. However he slices us, we want to be the same person so that we are an appetizing aroma to the world around us. So they're drawn to Christ and they say, what makes you different? And you could say, I am maturing in my faith. I'm not the person I used to be, nor am I the person I'm going to be, but I'm, I'm on a journey of knowing Christ, and the more I know Christ, the more I'm going to become like him, and the more I become like him, the more I'm going to surrender to him, and the more I surrender the, to him, the more loving I'm going to be, and the more gracious I'm going to be, and the more compassionate I'm going to be. You see, something happens. You, you've got to remember that your, your character is influenced by your faith. And your faith makes you the person that God wants you to be, the plans that he has for you. And if you look in the book of Galatians, Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23, it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. You know, we don't judge ourselves against other people. You know, I don't look at Quinn and say, well, you know, I'm, I, Quinn is so much better than me. I have to, I have to be like Quinn, right? No, no. Uh, Quinn doesn't look at me and says, oh, my pastor is so incredible, amazing, you know? 
He goes, he looks and he says, my pastor helps me to find Jesus. And look what the fruit of the Spirit is. Love. People that tell me they're Christians and they don't love other people, I don't know what faith you're having, but it's not faith in Christ. Christ is about loving people. You know, my role is not to judge them. My role is to love them. I let the Holy Spirit do the judging. Because I tell you what, if I was God, all of you would be going to hell. Okay? And if you were God, all of us would be going to hell, right? That's not what it's about. For God so loved the world. And love covers what? A multitude of sins. And then he says, not only is there love, but there's joy. I mean, how many, how many of you know Christians that you're convinced they're baptized in vinegar? They are just, you know, you look at them and they're like, he's got this scowl. Is it the joy of Jesus? Lovely. You know, it's like, what is wrong with you? You should be happy and joyful and kind and gracious. All of these fruits of the Spirit, you should have the peace of God. Why? So that when the, the world around you is going to, to, to craziness, you just say, God, I just have your peace. Your peace passes my understanding. I don't know why, but Lord, I'm just going to trust you in this situation. Everyone else may be running around like chicken little, saying the sky is falling and the world's ending. And Well, it is ending, but I know where we're going. So I have the peace of God, and I'm patient. Oh, let's move on to that, because no, none of us want to deal with patience, right? Okay? And we're kind. We're good. We're faithful. We have self-control. All of those qualities address the character of the believer. And if we don't have those, we don't say, well, you know, my pastor's angry, so I should be angry. No. We look at the example that Christ set for us. You know, there's a lot of people out there representing the gospel that don't have the fruit of the Spirit. And that's where we have to stand back and say, Lord, I'm going to look at your word and what your word says. One of the reasons we look at the word is because the word helps us to, to evaluate how we're really living. The standard, the, the, actually the, the word that was used in the church history is the word canon. Not like a cannon that you shoot a, a, a projectile out of, but a cannon was a yardstick to measure you to see if you're living up to the word. And God wants our character to be in alignment with the word of God, not with people who interpret it to make it be what they want it to be. Do you hear me? So when we study the word of God, it addresses our character. So what are some qualities in, uh, that we have as believers? I believe our Christian character is something we have to actively pursue on a daily basis. That is something that we strive to know Christ more every single day. We don't rely on yesterday's experience, although it's good, but we build upon yesterday's experience so that we can be stronger than we were a, a week ago or a year ago or a month ago. And one of the things that genuine character does, it shapes us in how we surrender our life to Christ. You should be more surrendered to the Lord today than you were a year ago. You should be more surrendered to the, the Lord right now than you were at the beginning of 2021. And, and one of the things that happens is we're building and developing our character. So what are some components of a Christian lifestyle that is dedicated to the Lordship of Christ? I believe there's a couple characters that come about. And the first thing we want to look at is how do we address our character? How do we develop that? Because the Christian faith is really about building ourselves into the image and likeness of Christ. And, and one of the ways we do that, we come to Christ... And, and Paul, I love the Apostle Paul. He's, he's like, I identify with him so much. But he said this in the book of Romans, chapter 12, verse 1. He says, therefore, I urge you. Who does he urge? You as brothers and sisters. In view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. You know, unlike some religions where they have to slay things for, for their obedience to God, God says, I want you just to be alive. 
Now, the problem with that is we always want to crawl back into who we used to be, right? Isn't it easier to, to not change? You know, it's a lot easier just to stay the same, but you never grow. And what God wants us to do is to grow in our faith and grow in our understanding and grow in our walk and to be consistently looking at the Lord saying, Lord, how are you going to shape me and mold me to be like you? How can I become more Christ-like? That's really the goal of a believer. And you see, because not, not all things that we do in our life glorify the Lord unless we're surrendered to him. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I grew up in northeast Pennsylvania. I grew up in an Italian, Polish uh, neighborhood. And, 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 and people would tell me all the time, you don't understand, I'm angry because I'm Italian. You don't understand, I'm angry because I'm Polish. I, don't blame it on your ethnicity. Blame it on your lack of surrender to the Lordship of Christ. It has nothing to do with your ethnicity. It has to do with your inner attitude and your character. And, and we're called to surrender ourselves to the Lord. You see, Scripture tells us that when we, 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 when we strive to know the Lord, when we strive to understand him, that we're going to be changed like him. Yeah. You know, the, the Bible tells us in John, the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 6, this is Jesus speaking. He says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. So if we want to know God, we have to know Jesus. And we have to go through that relationship with him so we're transformed by him to become like him so we can see the Father. And I'll tell you, Jesus is absolutely amazing. The, the, the more I get to know him, the more I want to be like him. I'll tell you, there, I, don't, I don't want to be like other people. I want to be like the Lord. Right. I want to be like the Lord that could can sit with people that are steeped in a lifestyle that is totally against the things of God, and he could love them, yeah. and he could have compassion upon them, yeah. and he could bring grace into their life, and he could bring healing into their life. Yeah. And he doesn't look at them with judgment. You know, who was it? And when you read the New Testament, who was it that was always judging the people? It was the self-righteous, uptight religious folk. Yeah. It wasn't Jesus. <laughs> Jesus was like, man, don't be like those guys. They're over there judging everyone. I'm going to be loving everyone. And I'll tell you, people know when you love them. You know? Yeah. People, you can, you know, you can, you can say whatever you want, but if there's not love behind your, your, your words, yeah. people know it. Yeah. You know, we just had a conversation recently, my wife and I, with a, a, a missionary couple, and they were talking about how they were in a country, and they're in a country for uh, this country with uh, some other missionaries. And I won't tell you the country because I don't want to throw the, anyone under the bus. But they, they said that this, this couple was in the country for 25 years, and they don't like the food, they don't like the culture, and they don't like the people. <laughs> they, why are you even there? I mean, people, I mean, have you ever been around someone that you know doesn't like you? Yeah. It's, it, you don't have to be a, a PhD in rocket science to figure it out. You know, you just, they, they, they send all the vibes out, yeah. right? And that's why as believers, we need to be just, Asking the Lord daily to baptize us in his love, to baptize us in his grace, that we can be people that are just extenders of the grace of God to people. And when we do that, something happens. Because if, if we truly love the Lord, it's going to work its way out in how we treat people. Yeah. That's why the Apostle Paul in, 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 in scriptures, when he's talking to the church at Corinth. Now, Corinth was a lot like our culture today. Corinth was, was very promiscuous. Uh, Corinth, Corinth was very materialistic. There was all sorts of uh, uh, waves of different spirituality going around. And what did Paul tell the Corinthian church? Follow me as I follow Christ. Yeah. Follow the example I have 
so that you can demonstrate the power of God to the people around you. You know, that's the same call that we're, we're getting today. The Lord wants you and I to follow him so that people will follow us, not so we follow our church denomination way. This is the way our church does it. This is the way our denomination does it. No, this is the way Christ does it. You know, I'm thankful I'm part of the denomination I'm with, but I'm telling you, I'm more loyal to Jesus than I am to my denomination. Because Jesus' words don't have to worry about political structure. They don't have to worry about organizational structure. They don't have to worry about maintaining the, the culture of the organization. I want to have a Jesus attitude. I want to have an attitude where the Lord says, you know what? David, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've represented me to people. You know, that's why we, we partner. I have, I have friends and, and ministry partners that are in all different denominations. Why? Because the unifying factor is not my denomination. It's my relationship with Christ. And when you're a Christ follower, you should allow him to influence every area of your life. You know? This, this is good, David. Thank you. This is really good, you know? Because what does it say? In 1 John chapter 2, verse 6. It's, this, is, this is such a powerful passage of Scripture. It's, it's, it's a small passage, but look at how powerful it is. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Okay, then how do I live my Christian faith? Live, live it like Jesus. What did Jesus do? Surrender to the Father? Said, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. Let this cup pass from me, if you will, but Lord, if, if, if it's your desire, let me go through it. He, he walked among people that were considered sinners. He walked upon, among people that were considered unrighteous. And what did he do? He loved them and demonstrated the love of God to them in such a way that they wanted to, be, to, they wanted to know God more, right? They wanted to know what makes you so different. And it's because of the love of Christ in him. So, so as a believer, what are some of the things in our character that can help us to really demonstrate to people around us what it means to be a follower of Christ? I think the first thing that we need to do is we need to have what, uh, what I call uh, 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 the Christian walk, the, the, the real Christian walk of having proper worship. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean this up here, the song service? That's, that's a form of worship. But, you know, you worship the Lord in everything you do. You demonstrate to people around you what's really important by your actions, by your belief, by how you interact with them. And worship, actually, if you, I went in, I went in yesterday afternoon as I was finalizing all my stuff. I, I, I pulled up my Bible software program, and I typed in the word worship in the NIV. And in the New International Version of the Bible, the word worship or a derivation of worship appears over 1,500 times in the Bible. That is a lot. I mean, and worship is included in Scripture as prayer, praise, meditation, thanksgiving. All of those things are considered worship. But true biblical worship, when you actually get down to it, is just giving honor and respect and, and glory to the Lord so that your life and my life, as we truly worship him, if we're really worshipers of Jesus, our lifestyle should reflect the lifestyle of Christ to people around us. Why? Because they don't know him. They may not know the Lord. They may not have any understanding of who, who Jesus is, but they'll look at our life and say, you know what? Michael, I see Jesus in you. You know? Roman, I see Jesus in you. You know? Sally, I see Jesus in you. There's something about you that's different. I don't know what it is, but I see Jesus in you, and as a result, I want to know you because I want to know the one you know. You know, and what God wants us to do is he wants us to be transformed and be worshipers. 
That's why in the Old Testament, it's really interesting, and this verse is, is often is misinterpreted and misunderstood. In the book of Exodus, chapter 34, verse 14, it says this, Do not worship any other gods, for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. Now, when we think of jealousy, it's, it's kind of a warped human relationship. But actually, the word here used in the, the original language is, is a word that actually talks about devotion, you know? Why am I jealous of, of anyone getting close to my wife? Because I've devoted to her, because I love her, because I want to protect her. I want the best for her. You know, and, and everyone knows I am the best for her, right? <laughs> right? You all know that. You're the best thing for your spouse, right? We, it's, it's a sense of devotion. It's a sense of commitment to. And one of the things that the Lord wants to, to let us know is that when we are devoted to something else, it weakens who we are in him. And, and, and that's why all through Scripture, if you read through both Old and New Testament, it talks about how, how devotion to, to deities that are not the Lord, devotion to pagan gods, devotion to pagan practices are, are always despised in Scripture because they take your heart away from your one true love, the Lord. Yes. You know, one thing I learned when I, when I married my wife, that I knew this, I was always second fiddle to her. She always loved Jesus more than me. And the reason she loved Jesus more than me, because she put me in a place higher than Jesus, I became an idol. And I'll tell you what, I don't want, I want to love, I want to love my wife, I want to love her the way Christ wants me to love her, but I have to do it by loving him first, because he's the source of all love. He's the one that changes me. How many, how many spices, don't, don't elbow your spouse if you're sitting next to him this morning. How many of you would like your spouse to be more like Jesus? Well, you become more like Jesus, and they're going to be drawn to you and they're going to become more like Jesus, like you're more like Jesus, right. Jesus, right? And one of the things the scripture says is that when we worship the Lord, we, we, he, his, his, his adoration and his love and his compassion for us and his devotion to us is what makes, makes us become the people that he wants us to be. And you're transformed by that love. And the quality of who you are as a person is, is re-energized and, and, and developed into a, a, a relationship with God that transforms everything about you. You know, and, and, and one of the things that Jesus talked about in John chapter 4, he said, this is really what true worship is. He says, yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth, for they're the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. So we have to ask ourselves, do we worship the Lord in spirit and truth? Do we seek the things of the spirit? Do we think, seek the things of the Lord? Are we truthful about how we really love the Lord. You know, part of the Christian faith is being honest with yourself. You know, part of the Christian faith is saying, hey, are there things in my life that aren't really where they should be with the Lord? And if they are out of calibration, how do I recalibrate myself to be back in the right relationship? You know, it's the last song that we sang, that worship song was, I'm sorry, you know? What, what are you sorry for? But that you're not falling in love like you were with falling in love with Jesus when you first experienced him. Yeah. You know, I don't know about you, but I don't ever want to forget the feeling of my sin being washed away. I don't I remember the day I kneeled down in that little tiny American Baptist church in, in, in Wyoming, Pennsylvania, and I prayed a prayer. And I remember like, I felt like the weight of the world was taken off of me. Yeah. I don't ever want to lose that. Yeah. I don't ever want to 
remember the first time I read scripture and it was like the power of the Holy Spirit came upon me and I, I realized what Christ wanted to do in my life and I, I, that intimacy of the, the presence of the Spirit of God and I remember sitting in a, a little tiny church and you know, singing with people and the, the presence of God was so powerful. Don't ever lose the intimacy of your relationship with Jesus. Falling in love with him is, is such a powerful thing. Don't ever lose that, that intimacy of that. That's what he's talking about here, about worshipers that are worshiping him and seeking him and giving him all the glory to his name and, and worshiping him through thanksgiving and through your desires and through your aspirations. Because one thing I know this, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, the Lord has the best plan for your life that you could ever imagine. Yeah. I've met people that have, they've had five-year plans, 10-year plans, 20-year plans. I've met people in their 20s telling me how they're going to retire by their 40s. I, I, they've got all these plans for their life. But I'll tell you what, the Lord has the absolute best plan. Right. And Scripture says he has plans not to harm you but to prosper you. And that means abundance in all areas of your life, in your relationships, in your, your thought life, in your health, in all those areas. God wants to bless you, and it comes from when you worship him and you surrender to him. Mm, someone needs to say amen to that. Amen. Thank you, dear. So besides proper worship, the second thing I think the Lord wants us to have, and this is really important, the concept of obedience is something that a lot of times people don't, they, they have a, a really warped sense of what obedience is. You know, I love my, my wife's uh, father. My wife's father, I remember when our kids were little and he would babysit him, he'd always look at him and say, now delayed obedience is disobedience. And that's great. All, all, all parents are writing that down, you know. Delayed obedience is disobedience. So I say that to my kids. We say it to my grandkids. I say it to my, my adopted grandkids overseas, you know. Uh, I say it to kids in the church, you know, that if you're not obeying, if you're not obeying when you're asked to do it, you're disobedient, yes. you know. It's not, not uh, uh, someday I'm going to do it. Two or three hours down the road, I'm going to do it. When I feel like it, I'm going to do it. But when you actually, the Lord speaks to you, and this is where a lot of times, let's be real honest with ourselves. A lot of times we get ourselves in a lot of trouble because the Lord tells us to do something and we delay it. Right. I mean, you know, how many of you have done that, you know? The Lord tells you to do something. You say, oh, I can wait on that. I don't have to do it right now. And then all of a sudden, you find yourself in this quagmire of life. And, then, and, and the Lord speaks to you and says, if you just would have listened to me, you wouldn't be in this mess. I mean, come on. We've all done that, right? And that's part of the learning process. And so what the Lord wants to do, he wants us to understand, like James says, faith without works is dead. There's a thing that my wife and I talk about all the time. We talk about how a lot of Christians have what we call magical thinking. All I have to do is pray. I don't have to do anything. Let me tell you, if you want a miracle in your life, grab the water jugs and fill them. Amen. You know, you want to see God move in your life, you move in your life. You, you say, God, if you want, you, want to, you want to see something, God move, you got to put a little faith with your actions. You know, one of my favorite movies is, is Princess Bride. Anyone ever seen Princess Bride? You know, there's a story where they go to see the guy and he says, sometimes a miracle needs a little help. And he, he covers this, this thing in chocolate because that's what's going to help provide it to, to get down a little better, you know. And one of the things that we often forget in, in, in our faith is sometimes we think, well, I just, I need to pray. I just need to pray. I need to pray. Sometimes you just need to get up and do something about it. That when the Lord speaks to you, you know, I, I've met people that have all kind of faith and faith and faith and faith, but they don't have any faith in works. And that's where Paul, where Paul and James got a little bit of a conflict, but they're basically saying the same things. James, the brother of Jesus, okay, he was his biological brother, said to him, hey, if you want to have faith, let me see your works. Yeah. 
You know? And that's why Paul said, I could do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Why? Because it was his faith in action that demonstrated what he really believed. And if you and I are really going to be people of the Spirit, if we're really going to be people that grow in our faith, we have to display the presence of God in our actions. And so when you read this, that's why John in John uh, chapter uh, 4 says, God is spirit and those who worship him must, must worship him in spirit and in truth. Because you can be as spiritual as you want, but if you're not the truth about saying, hey, there's, I've got to do something with my life besides sit here. Yeah, that's right. You know? I remember 30 years ago meeting a couple that told me someday they're going to go into missions. And every year I see them, they tell me someday they're going to go into missions. And it's been 30 years, and now they're too old, they can't even think about going into missions because they have too many health problems. But they have faith that someday they're going to go in to do that. Now, let's not be that person. Let's be the person that says, Lord, would you speak to me? I'm going to be obedient to you. And I don't, Lord, sometimes it doesn't make sense. You know? And maybe because I'm married to a really crazy spiritual lady. But anyway, you know, I remember years ago, and I think we've told you this story, where we were, we were teaching in a Bible school. We were getting ready to go on a missions trip. And we, 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 we were not getting paid a whole lot. And the Lord spoke to my wife and says, you're going to pay for this all yourself. I want you to empty all of your savings account, and you're going to pay for it. Yeah. And, and she told me that. I'm like, was that like your thought, or was it like the Lord speaking to you? I, I just need oh God, a little clarity, you know? <laughs> because what do we like to do as people? We like to rely on our finances. You know, if God's not going to move, at least I got the financial resources to do it on my own. Come on, let's be real, right? right. And yet, fast forward 20-some years. As a result of us sowing there, we now see the blessing and the prosperity here. You know why? Because we learned a lesson about not trusting in silver and gold, but trusting in the one who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. We, we learned a lesson of trusting in the Lord that allows you to prosper. Yeah. Learned a lesson of what it means to sow and to reap. You see, a lot of us want to reap, but we don't want to sow. And when you sow obedience, God honors that in your life. And there may be a trickle-down period where you don't see it, but as you continue to sow obedience in your life, what the Lord does is he says, you know what, I can trust you. Because I know this, you're going to obey what I tell you to do. And sometimes when the Lord asks you to do something, it doesn't make sense. You know why? Because he's supernatural. He's not natural. You know, in the natural to be, well, you know, I don't know. We should save a couple thousand dollars in our savings just in case something goes on. You know, we have to, you know, we invest in Edward Jones, so we have to have our contingency funds available for us. At the, you know, no, when the Lord says do it, you do it. And, he, and that, that obedience is, is amazing. And you know what happens when you do that? You actually become a letter of faith that other people can read. Yeah. Your life demonstrates the reality of who God is in your life so other people can see it. And I tell you the truth, a lot of us, we are actually gospel messages. We're like sandwich boards for Jesus walking around telling people about what, what we believe in our faith, and they're reading us because they never read the Bible. Right. <laughs> That's right. You know? But they're going to watch your life. Yeah. That's why Scripture says watch your life and doctrine closely. Watch what you believe and watch your lifestyle because those two things are in tandem and other people are looking at you. You don't believe that? Look at what Scripture says. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 2, Paul says this, you yourself are our letter 
written on your hearts, known and read by who? Everyone. Let me tell you, there are people watching your life and seeing if what you believe and what you tell them is how you live. And you know what they'll say if you're not living it? You're a fake. You're a hypocrite. And I always tell people that tell me, oh, well, you know, I don't want to go to church because it's full of hypocrites. I always tell them, well, great, you'd be welcome. (laughs) Because, you know, you're being a hypocrite right now, thinking you're more self-righteous than the people that go to church. You know, all of us are in need of grace. Not Not just those people that go to church, but all of us need grace. And when you're genuine, you can tell people, you know, hey, man, I had a hard day. I had a friend of mine a couple months ago says, I don't know why Christians are having such a hard time with masks. We've worn them for church for years. Mm, move on, okay. <laughs> Some of you are slow learners. You got that, though. It'll, it'll get there. But you know what? We are the example that people see of Jesus. Amen. That's why it's so important for us to worship him and then obey him. And the, and the, the final thing I want to talk about this morning is, is how, as people of the Spirit, one of the ingredients we have to have is people that we study the Word of God. We're people that study his Word. Now, why do we study the Word of God? Because the word is what transforms us by the renewing of our mind. Something happens when you're in the word. I've met people that have had like clinically diagnosed mental problems that have got into the word of God and their minds have been transformed and there's a renewing of their mind and, and, and something happens to them. They may never be, you know, on SpaceX research crew, but I tell you, their minds are renewed. I've met people that have been so wired out on drugs that they can't think clearly, and all of a sudden they start reading Scripture and listening to Scripture and start meditating on the Word of God, and their minds are renewed. You see, something happens to us when we allow the presence of the Word of God, which is the, which is the, the Ruah in the Old Testament or the Numa in the New Testament, that is the breath of God, that the breath of God comes in and changes us, and it transforms us. And actually, you know, that's why, that's why Timothy, Paul said to Timothy in chapter uh, uh, 2 Timothy 2.15, he says this, do your best. Okay, I want you to be just like someone else. Is that what it says? No. You do your best to do what? To present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does what? Does not need to be ashamed, but who correctly handles the word of God. So you, you can say, well, well pastor, you know, uh, I, I, I didn't do really well in school. That's okay. Do your best. Yeah. Do the best of what you have to present yourself to the Lord so you can understand and handle what? The word of truth. Yeah. And the truth shall do what? Shall set you free. And a lot of times we think it's freedom from emancipation from a lifestyle, but a lot of times it's freedom from our thought life. And I tell you, Christians, we need to have our thoughts purified by the Word of God. We need to have our thoughts redeemed by the Word of God. We need to have the sword of the Spirit cut through some of those things that are binding our minds so we can't understand what the Lord has for us. You know, and and you read through Scripture. I love what Scripture says. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, it says, For the Word of God is alive and active. You know? I, I, I heard someone say that if we took all the Bibles that haven't been read and blew the dust off, there'd be a dust storm for 10 years around the globe. Think about it. If we would get our Bibles out, oh, pastor, I can't read. Okay, let me see your smartphone, and I'll put a Bible app on that'll read it to you. 
Well, I don't understand, I don't understand English because I speak Spanish. Great, let me show you a version that does it in Spanish. Will you tell me your language you speak? I'll find you a Bible app that'll read it to you in your language. Well, I don't like the King James. Fine, I'll give you the ESV. I'll give you the NIV. I'll give you another translation. You know, but there's something happens when you allow the Word of God to flood over you and it percolates down from your ears into your mind, into your heart, into your actions. And God's Word wants to do that. And that's why it's a, it's a, a double-edged sword. It says it's sharper. It penetrates to what? To dividing of the soul and the spirit. And God wants to breathe life into you. He wants to breathe his, his blessing into you, his favor into you. And when we do that, something happens because we're transformed into images of Jesus to people. And I'll tell you, there is nothing more attractive to people than Jesus. You know, a lot of Christians aren't attractive. But Jesus is always attractive. So that's why a lot of times when I'm overseas, I don't even use the word Christian. I tell them I'm a, I'm a Christ follower. Because Jesus is very attractive. Yes, he is. And he is, he, he, his, he is the word. The word became what? Flesh and dwelt among us. And, and, and when we're in love with Jesus and we, we worship him and we obey him and we, we get into the word and we let the word get into us, yes. it just, you know, like I tell you, you guys all know we're foodies, right? I love garlic. You know? Anyone else out there love garlic? What happens when you eat a whole bunch of garlic? All your friends are like, do you smell that? No. <laughs> Not at all. You know? And a lot of times when I, I eat a lot of garlic and then I go to the gym and I exercise and I run and I get done, I'm like, oh, you're gross. Why? Because it, it just pours out of your pores, right? But what we want to be is in, a, in, a, in an aroma that's precious, the presence of the Lord, when, when you're around the presence of the Lord, it just infuses an entire room. And I tell you, the Lord wants us to be a fragrant offering for him. You know, this morning, how many of you, did everyone get their communion elements? Anyone not get communion elements? Did you not get it? Raise your hand if you didn't get any. Because we're going we're gonna to go before the Lord this morning and celebrate communion. And I want to tell you something. You know, Paul's letters to Timothy are so powerful because Paul was trading uh, training young Timothy on how to be a righteous person. And he said this. He said, all scripture is God-breathed, and it is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Yes. See, that's what the Word of God's about. You know, sometimes when you're, you're being corrected, it's not fun, but it's for your best interest. Sometimes when you're rebuked, none of us like to, re to be rebuked, but some of us like to rebuke others, right? But when you're rebuked, it's basically saying, hey, you're about to do something that's going to cause you a lot of pain. And I want to prevent you from doing that. And then it says, we're going to correct you as a result of that, and then we're going to train you in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for what? Every good work. You know, there's something about ultimate surrender in the lordship of christ and when you do that when you lay yourself before him and you become that living sacrifice he says great now i can use you the way i want you i can't do that for you none of the pastors in this church can do it for you no tv pastor can do it for you no self-help book could do it for you you have to choose to do that you have to choose to say lord right now i just yield myself before you so we're going we're gonna to pause and pray before we take communion because Scripture says that 
before you take the elements, you should examine yourself. I can't examine you. I can look at the outside, but I can't look at the inside. But the Spirit of God can look at the inside. And the Spirit of God wants us to evaluate ourselves. So, Lord, right now, we just come before you. And we ask if there's anything in our lives that are keeping us from being genuine in our faith. Lord, reveal that to us. Father, if there are things in our life that we have placed above you, Lord, we ask that you to forgive us for that. We ask that, Lord, we would surrender to you in all areas of our life. I pray that, Father, that our worship would not just be mere words spoken without thought, but they'd be words that are generated from a heart that is completely and 100% dedicated to you. And I pray that, Lord, if, if there's ways that we've acted that are contrary to the teaching of the words of Scripture, that, Lord, your love and your grace would be extended to us so we could walk in a way that's pleasing to you. And I pray for each and every one of us, Lord. We're all on a different level of our spiritual journey. We're all in a different place as we grow in our faith. But, Lord, the one common denominator we have is the, the love of Christ. And I pray that, Lord, you would baptize each of us with a new love for you, a new love for your word, a new love for gathering with brothers and sisters in Christ, a new love for knowing who you are and hearing the voice of the Spirit speak to us. And, Lord, I pray that right now you would just renew that love to us. You know, Scripture says that on the night that Jesus gathered together with his disciples in the upper room in Jerusalem, it was kind of the last meal that he was going to have with them. We call it the Last Supper. And it was interesting because Jesus knew where he was going, but he also knew what would happen as a result of going where he went, that he would empower those of us even to this day, through the sacrifice that he made for us. So this morning, we're looking at this little prefab cups that are sometimes really hard to open, right? <laughs> but you know what they are? This is a demonstration of the power of God flowing through our lives. In your weakness, he is perfected. In your surrender, he is revealed. In your pain is his healing. In your uncertainty is his grace. So, Lord, we take this wafer that represents your body. And, Lord, we ask that you would bless it to our bodies. We ask, Father, that you would be glorified in our lives. We ask that you would be glorified in everything we do. And, Lord, even as we take this small wafer, which there's not a lot of physical nurturance in it, but, Lord, what it represents spiritually is powerful. And, Lord, we surrender to you this morning our lives May you be glorified through it. And we just take this element in Christ's name. Shall we take it? And after the meal, Jesus took a cup. And I love this because he basically told us that the sacrifice that he was making for us would be the very thing that would empower us to be the people that he di he's dying to make us. His death, his blood, which was shed for us, is going to be an extension of him to the world around us. You know, the blood in Scripture is what was always offered as a sacrifice. It says that without the shedding of blood, there's no remission or no forgiveness of sin. So what Jesus was saying is, I'm going to offer my blood up so that you don't have to offer yours up. That I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the tasks so you can walk in my grace. Yeah. And you know what he's telling us right now? He's telling us right now 
we present ourselves as living sacrifices for him so that other people can know Christ through us. Lord, we lift this cup to you this morning. The very thing that the enemy thought would be the end of it all actually was the beginning of it. And Lord, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for the blood that was shed for us. We thank you that everything that the blood represents, healing and restoration and renewal. And Lord, we just surrender to you this morning our lives. And as we partake of this, this cup, Lord, may as it, we ingest it into our body, Lord, may it get into every area of our life, every nook, every cranny, every area of our life that we're aware of and even areas that we're not aware of. And Lord, may there be healing and restoration in, in Christ's name we ask. Shall we partake? Why don't we stand? And Peter, if you'll lead us in that song of the last song we sang before a sermon, and then Pastor Lynn is going to come up and close in a word of prayer. Caught up in your presence I just want to sit here at your feet I'm caught up in this holy moment I never want to leave And I'm not here for blessings Jesus, you don't owe me anything More than anything that you can do I just want you And I'm sorry when I've just gone through the motions. I'm sorry when I just sang another song. Take me back to where we started. I open up my heart to you. Yes, Lord. Oh, I'm sorry. When I come with my agenda, I'm sorry. I forgot that you're enough. Take me back to where we started. I open up my heart to you. I'm caught up in your presence. I just want to sit here at your feet. I'm caught up in this holy moment. I never want to leave. And I'm not here for blessings. Oh, Jesus, you don't owe me anything more than anything that you can do. I just want you. You know what? Let's just sing that song as our prayer to him right now. Go ahead, Peter.
Oh, nothing else will do. Come on, let's just sing. I just want Come on, just you. between you and him. Nothing else. Just between you and the Lord right now. Nothing else. Nothing else will do. I just want you. Nothing else. Yes. Nothing else. Nothing else will do. I just want you. Nothing else. Nothing else. Nothing else will do. I just want you. Nothing else. Nothing else. Nothing else will do. I just want you. You know, the secret to abundant life is that right there. Nothing else will do. I just want you, Jesus. Lord, we just want you. Yes, Lord. You're our first love. You are our first love, Lord. It's not blessings. It's not what you do for us. But Lord, we just give you our love. We pour out our love to you. We just pour out our love. Jesus. We pour out our love upon you. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. I'm caught up in your presence. Come on, let's sing it one more time. I just want to sit here at your feet. I'm caught up in this holy moment. I never want to leave. Oh, I'm not here for blessings. And Jesus, you don't owe me anything more than anything that you can do I just want you and I'm sorry when I've just gone through the motions I'm sorry and I just sang another song take me back to where we started I open up my heart to you. Come on, let's just do it. Let's just take that time right now. I'm sorry when I've come with my agenda. I'm sorry. I forgot that you're enough. Take me back to where we started. I open up my heart to you. Lord, we open up our heart to you. 
as we have just taken communion in remembrance of what you've done. But when it all comes down to it, Lord, this is a love relationship. Your love for us, Lord, and in response, our love for you. And Lord, as we have sung this prayer, Lord, may as we leave this house today, may we keep you as our focus. Not allowing the distractions of the world and the arguments out there to pull us away from keeping our eyes fixed on you. We thank you, Lord, for your love. And in our response, we say we love you back. We love you back. And Lord, as we go out, Lord, may we represent your love. May your love flow through us graciously to those around us, to the hurting, to the confused, to the lost. Lord, may we be vessels of your grace, vessels of your love. Keeping it real, keeping it real with people around us, Lord. In your name, amen. God bless you. Have a great week.